welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to this spirit-filled word by David Entry. When you catch a word, you have caught God. May you catch a word today that will cause God to change your story. Be blessed. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Merry Christmas to you all. We thank God for a Christmas day like this, where friends, loved ones, family can come together and celebrate Christ with one another, where we can team up, sit down around the meal, celebrate a day that changed history. And I'm very happy to get this opportunity to come your way to share with you this few words for a Christmas morning like today. You know, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for being part of this. I see God blessing you. I see God favoring you. I see God lifting you. You will not end this year in shame. Your life will not end in shame, but it will end in glory. The songwriter said, Our strength, thy grace, our rule, thy word, and our end, the glory of the Lord. He said, in bringing many sons to glory, Hebrews chapter 2, it's fitting for God, verse 10, in bringing many sons to glory, in making the captain of their salvation perfect, captain perfect through self. But the objective of God is bringing many sons to glory. For those he foreknew, he predestined, Romans chapter 8, verse 29. He predestined and those yeah, to be conformed into the image of his son, that he will be the first born amongst many. And those he predestined, he, though them he called, and them he called, them he justified. And guess what? The end is not justification, but the end is glorification. Because in Acts chapter 7, verse 2 and 3, Stephen presents God as the God of glory. He is the God of glory. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, talks about how he has called us to glory. Verse 3, he has called us to called us to glory and virtue. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, talks about how God has called us. He has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Why am I saying this? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he talks about how there is wisdom that has been ordained to our glory. There's wisdom that has been ordained to speak the wisdom that has been ordained before the ages for our glory. We are objects of glory representing God. Bible says that God has justified us for and he will glorify us. 
we are on our journey to glory. Second Corinthians chapter 3. That actually, the entirety of chapter 3 is about glory, the glory of God. And guess how he ends? He said, we all, it's verse 17, verse 16, talks about how if we turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So then what? And he says, the Lord is the spirit. The veil is taken away. Then the verse 18 talks about, so we all with taking away veiled, okay, with our faces unveiled, beholding us in the mirror, the glory being transformed into the same image. This image is talking about Jesus. Watch this. This image is talking about Jesus and being transformed into the same image. How? The image is an image of glory. If Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, he is the express image of God's person. He is the effulgence of God's glory. Jesus Christ, he is, he is the brightness of God's glory. Other translations use the word, he is the effulgence of God's glory. He is the rays of God's glory. And guess what? We are being transformed. So there is the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, verse 5, and 6. There's the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So him being the effulgence of God's glory, God's glory. We, when we observe him, as we behold Christ, guess what? We are being changed. We are being the, the right word, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The right word is we are being transformed from glory to glory. Because you start with glory because he is the object of glory. You start with glory. Coming to Jesus Christ brings you into reality with the glory of the Lord. That is why his coming meant God in his glory has showed up. His coming meant God has showed up in his glory. And so, why, what am I trying to communicate to you before I even go any further? What I'm trying to communicate to you, my brothers and sisters, that I, it does not matter what is going on in your life. Don't, let not your heart be troubled. Don't be weighed down. Don't be afraid. For there are glorious days ahead. Because we are being transformed into the same image. As long as we have Jesus, it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ is the hope of glory. Christ is the hope of glory. Christ. So when you have Christ, you have glory. When you have Christ, you see the glory of God. If you can believe in Christ. And so what I'm trying to say, brothers and sisters, is that uh, this year might have been a very interesting year. Actually, since last year, due to the pandemic, things have been quite interesting for different people. But uh, in, in spite of whatever state you might, you might find yourself in, the good news is that if you can see Christ, then your glory is in view. Hallelujah. Watch this. It's called, so we all with unveiled faces have been transformed into the same image. So the veil is taken away. It says, if we turn, verse 16 again, if we turn to Christ, the veil is taken away. So when we turn to the Lord, to Christ, the veil is taken away. And then he said, now we all with unveiled faces beholding us in the mirror, the glory. As you turn to Christ, what you see is the glory of God. Christmas is the demonstration of God's glory. Hallelujah. 
So as long as there is no year without a Christmas, that is a, a, an evidence, an indicative of the fact that God will also show up in your life if you can look unto him. If you can look unto him, he says that they looked unto him and they have, their faces were radiant, they were not ashamed. In the book of Psalm 34, said they looked unto him, they looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This is talking about Jesus. He said, kiss the son and the father will be happy with you. Psalm 12. He said, kiss the son. We have to kiss the son. Kiss the son. Lest he be angry. And you perish in, in the way. When his wrath is kindled, but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. Kiss the son. Christmas is there. You see, all this celebration is not just about um, eating and drinking. It's eating and drinking is part of festivities. All right? So it's okay to eat and drink. But as you are eating and drinking, please, 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 don't take your eyes off the glory, the object of glory. Because when your eye is taken off, you can't behold the glory one. And if you can't behold the glory to kiss the sun, you won't be transformed from glory to glory. So I can't guarantee peace for your future outside of the Christ in your present. I can't guarantee peace for your future outside of the Christ in your present. Is there Christ in your presence? Let me put it this way. Christ in your face is what guarantees your future. He says, as we behold, we are being transformed from glory to glory. So this year, I know somebody, we have got seven more days to the end of this year, but seven days is a lot. The entire creation, entire universe was created in six days. So your miracle, seven days is a lot. Even one day, is a, it takes just one, one moment. It's just for a whole human being to be conceived. Just a moment, short time. So a whole day is a lot. One hour is a lot. 24 hours, oh, so much. How about one week? <laughs> so many things can happen in one week. I want to announce to you that within the next one week, may heaven visit you with glory in the name of Jesus. God, the God of glory. God, the God of mercy. God, the God of goodness. God, the God of peace will visit you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've almost <laughs> preached a whole message, but let's, let's go to Christmas again. And let, let me read from the text. If I haven't read the text, I have not actually started preaching. <laughs> but I want to read Genesis chapter. I'll read from two, two places. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 and verse 16. Um, and then I will read from Hebrews chapter 10. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I'll put enmity, this is God speaking. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to the devil. I'll put enmity between you and the woman. As I said some time ago, it is called the first gospel. The first gospel is the first gospel, the proto-evangelion. Proto-evangelion, the first gospel ever preached, was preached by God. And he says that I will put enmity, I will put enmity between you and the, uh, 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 and the woman. And guess what? Between your seed and her seed, it shall come, uh, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, when you read from the New King James, it uses 
very interesting phrases. He said, I, and her seed. You notice that the seed, her seed, the seed of the woman is um, capitalized, which is a personality. He is capitalized. Bruce, his heel, his. So he's talking about a divine person, right? A divine person. God preached to the devil right from the garden that Christmas is coming. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'll come back to that. I think I'll leave the verse 15 and I'll go to Hebrews and we'll come back to Genesis. In Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Reading from, let me read from the first five. Wherefore, when he, he cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast thou prepared for me. A body has thou, then he goes to the verses, in burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the books, it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above, above when, when he said, sacrifice and, and offerings and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou would, wouldest known, neither has pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He takes, or he taketh away the first, that he might establish the second. By the which, by the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Hallelujah. By the, by the, it says that by, uh, by the which will, this is a very interesting text. Right in the verse 5, you see, he says that a body you, has, you are prepared for me. This is, this is Jesus talking, all right? This is Jesus talking. He said, you have prepared a body for me. And then verse 9 says that, uh, then said he, lo, I come to do your will, O God. So he came. Why did he come? Because a body has been prepared for him. Which body? The body that we celebrate Christmas, that baby, that infant, in the manger, he's, he was prepared. He did God. See, the arrival of Christ wasn't an afterthought. An afterthought, God was thinking, what should I do, plan B? No, it was, it was always plan A. It was plan A. Christmas, that's why we celebrate Christmas. Because Christmas is when plan A was executed. Plan A was initiated. God, God started the process of his plan, the original plan. He has not had any plan. Okay, plan A was Christmas. Plan B was Christmas. Plan C was Christmas. There is no other plan. Plan A, Jesus Christ needed to come. He had to come because before the foundation of the world, there was a lamb that was, has been slain. The lamb, the lamb was there before the foundation of the, uh, according to Revelation chapter 13, verse 6. And then we were, we were chosen. We were called before the foundation of the, and he has ordained some things. In 1 Corinthians, as I read in chapter 2, verse 5, he has ordained to our glory. He has ordained wisdom to our glory before. Okay, he has ordained this before the foundation, verse 7, sorry, wisdom that 
uh, the wisdom of God ordained before the ages. So some things were done before the world was created, before the ages were initiated. What were done? A body has been prepared, the coming of Christ, the Christmas story. Why did I read Genesis? All right. The Christmas story cannot be appreciated in the absence of Genesis. Now, let me put it this way. The Bible has its Old Testament and New Testament. You won't really appreciate the Old Testament. You can't really appreciate the Old Testament without seeing what the New Testament, understanding what the New Testament says. And you can't really appreciate the New Testament without knowing about the Old Testament. So if you leave the Old Testament, it's like you are a nurse. You, fin- you take over from a night duty nurse. You get to work and your colleague has finished and you just take over. You have to read the notes to know what has happened to help you so as to help you or to inform how you are going to continue, how you are going to go about or what you should do. You don't start a conversation in the middle of, or you don't start treatment in the middle of the notes. You don't know what has happened. In the same way, the new, the new, you won't be able to appreciate the New Testament properly without knowing what has been going on in the Old Testament. That's why just Christmas won't make sense if you don't know what was happening before Christmas came. Because from what, what, the, from what we read in Hebrews, Hebrews actually is the only Old Testament book in the New Testament. In other words, it focuses so much on a lot that has been happening in the Old Testament to bring it within the context of the New Testament. And so we read Hebrew and we saw from Hebrew that God says there are sacrifices that were going on, offerings for sin. He wasn't really pleased with that, but it was just a system in place. Chapter 10 again from verse 1 to 3 of Hebrews. It actually talks about... um, it talks about, for the law having a shadow of things to come. It, it was just a shadow. It just had a shadow of things to come. It, was that, it wasn't the real deal. The law was not the real deal. It had the shadow. It was prefiguring something. And so God said that all the systems were, that were in the Old Testament, they were just pointers to the original that is coming. Yes, the systems in the Old Testament were pointers. So then... The entirety of creation, the entirety of God's work was pointing towards a certain day, which is the day of Christmas. And the day of Christmas was necessary because entirety of creation was waiting for Easter, the cross. There is no way you can have Easter without Christmas because the one who died must be born. And so the arrival, that's why angels, angels had to come down to sing. They sang and said that glory to God in the highest and goodwill towards men and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Glory to God in the highest and on earth goodwill and peace. Why? Because something phenomenal has happened. God himself has become a creature. The creator has become one with the creator. So much so that you look at what was in the manger and there's nothing that was different from every other child that has been born apart from the Holy Spirit or the signs in the heavenlies, the angelic announcements and the Holy Spirit impressing on people like Simeon and Anna about a child that has arrived. But outside of the spiritual influences 
and the cosmic changes. Nothing was different about that child that had arrived. What does that mean? God identified so much with us, even at the, the level of most vulnerability of any human being outside of sickness. Okay? We are most vulnerable when you are just born as a baby. Most vulnerable. You, need, you have to depend. You will be 100% dependent and reliant on others. So God decided to identify with us even at that level. That's God. Now, guess what? The entirety of everything, everything that happened in the Old Testament, everything that happened and all that was happening in the Old Testament was, was moving, moving towards a day, moving towards a day, the day when heaven and earth shall fuse together, the day when God himself will step. So if God was going to step into humanity, then he has to start making the preparatory work. If you are going to do... Um, you, you buy a piece of land and you want to start maybe some agricultural work, major farming there or uh, animal farming or crops, or you want to even build, you have to first prepare the land. Prepare the land. Jesus said, no, all the things that were happening in the Old Testament were a shadow. Speed, uh, sacrifice and offerings were no interest. Then the verse 5 said, no, I come to do your will, for in the volume of the books, I come to do your will, O God. Because in the volume of the book, the volume of the book, the story is you, you go and watch a movie, and you see, or you go and see the, towards the end, and you don't get the character. You didn't know who was who and who. You won't appreciate the movie. So it's better to, and on the other hand too, if you just look at the characters and know the beginning and you don't see the way the movie ends, you won't appreciate the movie. So you need both ends. So we need, when Christmas came, something has been going on before Christmas. And to appreciate Christmas, it's good to look back. It says that in the volume of the book, it's written of me. That means everything in the Old Testament was pointing to him. How? And it says that for a body has thou prepared for me. A body has thou prepared, but a body has thou prepared for me. How did God prepare this body? Talking about the body of Jesus Christ. How did he prepare? Oh, he started from Genesis. So he told the, the, the serpent, the devil, right at the fall of man. He told the serpent that the woman is about to bring forth a seed. The devil said, what? A seed? He said, that seed is going to crush your head. Uh-uh. So right from the garden, God gave a promise that there's a seed coming. There's a seed coming. There's a seed coming. You, devil, what you have done, you think you have thwarted my plans? You think you have diverted human beings? You think you have introduced sin into creation and, and distorted humanity and sent them away from me? Oh, I have a redemptive plan. I have a redemptive plan. And see, the re a redeemer is coming. He said, the seed and that redeemer, he will crush your head. So from that time, Satan targeted every righteous seed. That's why Abel was killed by Cain. Satan was the one behind it. And then from that time, all the righteous seed have come under attack. Even Isaac came under attack. Jacob come, uh, came under attack. Joseph comes under attack. The children of Israel were under attack. Uh, Haman wanted to get rid of them. Um, 
they were in, in, in slavery in Egypt. The devil wanted to wipe their identity off, but he couldn't do it. From generation to generation, Satan targeted because he was looking for that seed. He was looking for, when David showed up, he thought it was David, but no, sorry. He was looking for that seed. Then Abraham showed up. So he, he polluted in Genesis, sorry. He polluted humanity in Genesis chapter 6 for humanity to sin against God and become so rubbish. But thank God there was a Noah who God could start a new generation with. And so God wiped away everything because the devil was behind it. He was targeting the seed. And then Noah, God chose Noah. And from Noah, he chose the line of Noah. And then they went off again. And then the Tower of Babel, they all went off from God. And God judged them, scattered them. The devil said, no, this thing will not happen. But God said, I have a plan. It, there's no plan of God will go unfulfilled. No promise of God will go unfulfilled. And guess what? I'm just telling you the Christmas story, how God prepared this. And guess, uh, watch this. And he, he, um, he called Abraham. Abraham was an idol worshiper. But God, out of his eternal purpose, called Abraham. When he called Abraham, he told Abraham, leave your father's house. So Abraham left his father's house. The only thing Abraham had was his family and his land. But God said, leave. So God made him landless. And before God made him landless, Abraham was childless. According to Genesis chapter 11 from the 27, verse 27, somewhere there, it talks about how Sarah, Sarai was barren. Sarai was barren before God called Abraham. All right. So Abraham was childless and God made him landless. God wanted him, God, to be his, uh, Abraham's focus, Abraham's desire. Watch this. And Abraham left and God promised him, I'll give you a child. But that child I'll give you, God wanted to let Abraham know that child is not yours because I'm preparing a body. I'm preparing a body for myself to come. And so God called Abraham and then Abraham didn't have a child. And Abraham impregnated Hagar to show that he, he had a viable seed. To preg impregnated Hagar and had Ishmael. God said, no, that is your son. But the son I'll give you, he's going to be from me. And God waited. When Abraham was out of his, his depths, he couldn't give birth anymore. He was past the age of giving birth. His body was dead. Then God said, okay, now see what I will do. So he used a dead body and a dead womb to produce a, 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 a new flesh a new flesh for himself by a word hitting Abraham's body. And when the word hit Abraham's body, he, he gave life to that which was dead. According to Romans chapter 4, give God who gives life to the dead and calls the things that be not as though they were. Give life to Abraham's body. And Abraham's body, as soon as uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the power from his body touched um, his wife's womb, his wife's womb received strength and conceived and Isaac was born. God was preparing a body. God through Isaac formed the Israel and formed Israel and then chose a tribe, the tribe of Judah. And the enemy has always attacked Israel, attacked Israel. That land has been a place of contention for generations. The enemy has always set his eye on Israel until the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, and when the fullness of time was come, hallelujah, hallelujah. Christmas. Christmas is simply the fullness of time has come for God to step into humanity, for God to step. Now, I want to quickly mention, as I said, that why did Christ come? For, uh, I said three, but let me do it four, okay? Th four reasons why Christ came. Number one is very important. Number one, it came to redeem the creation that has fallen, that has gone off because of the introduction of sin. So God told the, the devil, a redeemer is coming. So he came to redeem fallen creation. He came like one of the creation. Romans chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. 
talks about what the law could not do in the flesh, in that because uh, what the law for verse 3, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. He condemned. So he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. God became like us. God became like us. God became us. When you saw, when you saw Jesus, you have seen God, but you wouldn't know he's God. But you was to watch him, watch his behavior. He's the most perfect person. He's the he's a perfect man who ever lived. He never, there was no wrong in him. Even those who killed him said, we can't find anything wrong in him. They have to concoct something because he was a lamb without spot. He was blemished. He was sinless. He was a sinless man, but he had to, he had no sin, but he died for those of us who had nothing but sin. Hallelujah. We had nothing but sin and he had no sin. He had to come in our place. So he was born and the enemy targeted him. But when the time came, he was born to come and redeem us. So he won. He was born to redeem creation, to redeem God's chosen people, humanity from our sins and from the power of well, the, the, the punishment and consequence of our sins. Number two is very important. He was born to reveal God to us so that when you look at him, you can see how God looks like. When How God works, you see it in Jesus Christ. How hum, uh, God in humanity, God in human flesh, you will see how God looks like when you look at Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So the point here is that God, Jesus Christ, came to redeem man. He came to reveal God. Hallelujah. He came to reveal God. And he's the revealer of God. He is the revealer of God. He is the revealer of God. If you have seen him, you have seen the Father. That's why God prepared this body right from the day of the, the falling uh, um, the day when sin entered, when man fell, God pre started preparing. He prepared. He prepared across the generations. He was preparing. He was preparing. He was preparing. Then he found Mary. And Mary got engaged. He was preparing. And when the fullness of time was come, bam, God took on this flesh he's been preparing. He wore the flesh. And he said in the verse, Hebrews chapter 10, in the verse Nine. He said, I come to do your will in the verse 10. He said, you are not interested in sacrifices. I come to do your will. I come to, he put away the first, that might establish the second. The verse 10 talks about how by, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of his body. Now watch this. Let me interject this before I continue. He said, by the will. See, that will he said he came to do. All right. I come to do your will. You prepared me a body. And I've come in the volume of the book is written of me. And lo, I've come because the sacrifices that you are getting, they are doing for you. It's, it's just temporal. You are not happy with it. That's not what you want. So all that, everything the book has written, I have come to fulfill it. They said, they said Jesus said, I did not come to uh, condemn the law, but I came to fulfill the law. He didn't come to condemn the law. He came to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill in Matthew, I think Matthew chapter 5, somewhere verse 17 or 6, verse 17 or John chapter 3. He said, I came to, to fulfill the law and the prophets. He didn't come to, spoil it. He came to, he didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill uh, the law of the prophet. He came to uh, fulfill it. So he came to fulfill the law. So that is why I said everything that has been written of me in the books, I come to do your will. And what is the will? The verse 10 again, he reached chapter 10 verse 10. He said, by the which will we are sanctified. That's very interesting. Uh, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body. Ah, ah. 
that a body that has prepared for me because that body was needed. That body was needed through the offering of the body of G of Christ once for all. God kept offering sacrifices and sacrifices and sacrifices and sacrifices. And he says that by the will, by that will, that will. He said, I came to do the, your will. And he said, by this will, by which will, by the, I like the King James, by the which will we are sanctified. By the which will, will we are sanctified through the offering of the body, this body that was prepared, it was needed for sanctification. Hallelujah. So he came to redeem us. Watch this. Let me add this. Jesus is, there are three major offices in the Old Testament. Don't forget he came to fulfill the law. Okay. He came to fulfill the law and all uh, concerning what was written about him in the book. So everything he came to do in the book or must be according to, to the book. It's very important. Now, when you look at the Old Testament, there are three major offices. The office of a king, the office of a priest, and the office of the prophet. No one person could occupy all the three. Okay? David was a prophet and a king. He wasn't a priest. Okay? And there were prophets, there were kings. All these offices require anointing. They will pour anointing oil on you. You'll be anointed to function. Without anointing, you are not permitted to function in this uh, offices. So Elijah was, uh, uh, was told by God to anoint Elisha. David was anointed king. The priests, Aaron and his family, they were anointed, his sons. So it takes an anointing. These are three offices. Jesus Christ is the only one who occupies all three offices. He is our prophet. He is our priest and he's our king. Now he's our prophet the, the interesting thing about the prophetic ministry and the priestly ministry and the kingly reign of Jesus is different from the others. In the first place, this kingly reign is, let me start with the uh, prophetic ministry. Prophets have a message. He was not, he didn't only speak the message of God. He was actually the word of God. Jesus, as a prophet, didn't only speak a message from God. All the others spoke on the behalf of God. He also spoke, but he didn't just speak on the behalf of God. He was the word of God. Jesus, as the priest, didn't only sacrifice. Because priests, according to Hebrews chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 5, they were ordained to appointed to offer sacrifices, to give sacrifices of sin, uh, for sins. So priests were ordained, Hebrews chapter 8, priests were ordained to offer sacrifices. Hebrews chapter 5, a, a high priest was appointed from amongst men to offer sacrifice. So he, as a priest, didn't only offer sacrifice, he actually offered, he was the, he didn't have a sacrifice. He was, he didn't just have a sacrifice. He was the sacrifice himself. He, that's his view. All the other priests didn't have, they, they had sacrifices because they were sinful. Because they, they also needed to offer sacrifices for the people, for themselves first and for the people. But Jesus Christ, because he was perfect, he offered the sacrifice of himself once and for all. He presented, he said, a body, oh, thank you, Jesus, a body thou hast prepared for me. <laughs> I have to end now. He said, by the which will, by the Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus. How many times? Once and for all, because it is sufficient. That is why after he has offered 
is a purification for sin. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. After he has offered purification for sin, he sat down. He sat down because he's finished. He's finished. After he had offered, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of majesty on high. Hallelujah. And so the point I'm making is, he didn't just have sacrifice. He was a sacrifice. And as a king, he, he rescues and he reigns. He came to rescue us and he reigned. Came to rescue us and he reigned. So prophet, priest, and king. Back to how he redeemed us. So number one, he came to redeem humanity. Number two, why did he come? Number one, he came to redeem humanity. Number two, why did he come? He came to reveal God. Number three, why did he come? He came to reconcile us to God. We are enemies because of our sins. But in Romans chapter 5, it says that, verse 1, it talks about you are, we, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We are no longer enemies. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, it says that God was inside Christ, not only on the cross, so even when he was a baby. God was inside Christ. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. That is, God was in Christ. When, even when he was a baby, before he got to the cross, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He came to reconcile us. He came to make, make, bring us back to God. According to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, that he suffered so that he might bring us back to God. He might bring us to God. He suffered to bring us to God. He, that he might bring us to God. Why did he come? He came, he, when he was coming, he brought God to us, Emmanuel. And then when he was going, he took us to God. So God was in Christ right from the, the Christmas day. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That is why the angel said, and glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill and peace. Uh, peace on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. On earth, peace, goodwill. Why? Because Christ came to reconcile us to himself. And then finally, as a king, he came to reign. He came to reign. He started reigning in the hearts of those of us who have welcomed him into our lives. And then the second coming, he's coming to reign over all creation and punish those who did not believe in him. Yeah, it's in the Bible. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 to 9. Very interesting text. Uh, it says that, and to give uh, and to give you, you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Watch this. Look at the next verse. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. And watch, this is a serious one. Those who do not know God, who do not know God, and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord. He's coming to take vengeance. And he will punish them with everlasting destruction. Verse 9. He says, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory that I spoke about, from the glory of his power. So the first coming, he came to reign in the hearts of those who welcome him into our lives. He came to reign. But in the second coming, he's coming to reign over all creation. And he says that every knee shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So, in conclusion, he prepared the body. God prepared a body for himself. And then when he arrived to wear the body, we all saw it on Christmas Day. That is why we celebrate Christmas. But why did he have to come? Because he came to redeem fallen humanity from our sins. He came to reveal God to us. He came to re um, reconcile us to God. And then finally, 
not just to reconcile us to God. He came to reign in our lives. Those of us who are born again, he reigns in our lives. So on this Christmas day, I want you to know this whole thing is about God being revealed. So that if you can see the glory of God, if you can look at Jesus, the glory of God is what you are looking at and you are being transformed into the same. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. When God speaks, works show. And the works will surely show in your life. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.